The following recording is a presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome you to visit our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. So take your Bibles when, when you get one, and stand up if you would. And we're going to read uh, Luke 15, chapter 15. Um, pick it up at verse 12. When you find that, put a marker on it and take, put another marker on uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 25. Everybody is familiar with the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son. And today I want to talk about the symptoms of a prodigal. So when you get there, let's, let's begin. Luke 15 verse 12. And the, younger, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto, unto them, I'm sorry, and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went, in, he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his field, fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired of servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he saw him, yet... A great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto his father, said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Let us pray. My father in heaven, what a privilege it is to be here, be able to, to stand and preach a word. Father, I pray for our pastor and Pam. And, Father, for sure they're having some difficult times. Pray that you will comfort them and bring it back to us, Lord. Father, we pray for a miracle on Pam, Lord. Pray for all those who have come to listen to the preaching of your word. Pray that if there's someone here today who doesn't know you as Savior, that today would be that day, Lord, when they give their life to Christ and begin a new life. Father, I pray that you will give me the wisdom, the capacity to do this, and glorify your name in all we do. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Symptoms of a prodigal. Today I want to talk about the life of two kings in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles. First is King Amaziah in 2 Chronicles chapter 25. And then King Joash in 2 Chronicles chapter 24. We all hear this word prodigal. But the, the, the word is not in the Bible, the word prodigal. 
and, and we always ask, what is a prodigal? The definition is a prodigal, someone who squanders money, talent, life, testimony, opportunities, and more. Like I said, the, the word prodigal is not in the Bible, but it's a term that we have, used, we have come up with, and we apply it to those who go in the wrong direction for no apparent reason. A prodigal is someone who has abandoned integrity and self-respect. A prodigal has no problem walking away from personal responsibilities. And so a basic heathen is not a prodigal because he never walks away from the daily struggles of life. But the real question remains, when a person becomes a prodigal, whose fault is it? Or what went wrong? But the truth is that we are all born with a small flame of evil in our hearts. And by nature, we resist the wisdom of God. And it's difficult to understand why it is that the children of some good, solid Christians, sometimes they turn out to be complete heathens. But it happens. And the sad reality is that a person who is raised in a Christian home doesn't always have the desire to follow and serve the Lord. In Proverbs 22, at verse 6, we read, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, I have read this, this, this verse many times, and I never understood it until I, I noticed that every time you talk to a lost person out there, many of them will tell you that when they were growing up, mom and dad took them to church. And going to church on Sunday was just as natural as breathing to stay alive. You know, in America, people are not ignorant of the Bible. Everybody knows that there is a Bible. and There's a set of rules that we should follow when it comes to spiritual things. But people choose to be ignorant. And if you want access to the Bible, you have it. But people don't know it because they don't spend the time to read it. And so we are in trouble. We cry out to God only when we are in trouble. When a young child is introduced to the word of God, they never forget it. What they heard from their pastor, mom and dad, or a Sunday school teacher. When they were growing up, they'll remember those things. They never forget it. As parents, we have the responsibility to train up our children in the fear and knowledge of God. And if we do our job, when they grow up, if they decide to behave like the devil, it's not mom and dad's fault. You can't point your finger at them because at some point they grow up and they become independent. So you can't blame mom and dad for their actions. When you train up a child in the fear and knowledge of God, no matter how evil they turn out to be, the word of God that you have planted in them will never depart from them. And the very word that has been planted in them will haunt them wherever they go. I have seen these big boys in prison. They cry when they remember all the good things that people taught them, and they ignored it. 
So now let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 25 and verse 1. I'm going to look at the life of Amaziah here. Second Chronicles 25 verse 1. Amaziah was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 20 and 9 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehoiadan of Jerusalem. And he that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Remember that phrase right there. Now it came to pass when the kingdom was established to him that he slew his servants that had killed the king his father. But he slew not their children, but did as it is written in the law of the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, saying, The fathers shall not die for the children, neither shall the children die for their fathers, but every man shall die for his own sin. And so here we go. The journey of life begins with individual accountability. Like I have said before, your salvation is personal. And on that day, when you stand face to face with God to give an account for your life, your mother won't be there, your father won't be there, it's going to be you and the Lord. Second Chronicles is the best book in the Bible, if you really want to study prodigals. So let's take a look at the life of Amaziah here. Now keep in mind that studying the kings is, is very confusing sometimes. It's very tricky and challenging. Because sometimes it's hard to keep track of who's in the north and who's in the south. But keep in mind that the way you track this is by remembering that Israel is in the north and Judah is in the south. And on top of that, some of the names, same names, some, some of these kings have the same name. That, that makes it even more complicated. So Amaziah was the son of Joash. This is not the Joash that we're going to be looking at in a little while. In Second Kings 14, verse 17, we read, And Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived after the death of Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel, 15 year, years. Some of these names are hard to pronounce. It almost sounds like you have a hairball when you're trying to say them. An imperfect heart leads to a life of pain and misery. And it is possible for someone who's wicked to have periods of success in life with material things, either by hook or by crook. Some become very wealthy. It might take a long time for them to fall, but eventually they do fall. And like they say, the chickens always come home to roost. So point number one, a destructive life begins with ungodly affections. When a person knows what God requires of him or her, and he does that which is wicked in the sight of God, he should never expect a blessing. Second Chronicles 25 and verse 14 we read, Now it came to pass after, the, after that Amaziah was come from the slaughter of the Edomites, that he brought the gods of the children of Seir and set them up to be his gods and bowed down himself before them. And burn incense unto them. God hates many things. 
but idolatry is at the top of that list. God will never share his glory with anyone or anything. And Amaziah started off good by putting to death the people who killed his father, the king, and not destroying their children. Some people considered Amaziah as a moderate good king of Judah. And in doing what he did, he was following the law of Moses, where we read in Deuteronomy 24 and verse 16, their fathers shall not be put to death for their children, neither shall the children be put to death for their fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. Going back to what I said, you are responsible for your own sins. You will answer for yourself and no one's going to answer for you. Another good thing he did is He listened to the prophet of God in verse 10. But as you read this chapter, you discover that he had a wicked heart. And the decision he was making would eventually destroy him. There are some things in life that you can never change. They never change. And this is called the law of sowing and reaping. You will always reap whatever you sow. And when it appears that you have gotten away with something evil, you need to think again. Because God keeps perfect records of everything we do. And all those things will call out one day. Most prodigals never take responsibility for their downfall. They always blame something or some, on someone else. And some of them even blame the environment, if you can believe that. Galatians 6, 7 reads, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. This blaming game goes all the way back to Genesis. This is not a new thing. And you read in Genesis 3, verses 12 and 13, when Adam fell and God asked him, Did you eat of the tree I told you not to eat? And he said, The woman that you gave me. She gave me of the tree and I did eat. What Adam was saying was, this is your fault. Because if you had never given me this woman, I would have never done what I did. And I wouldn't have got myself in this mess. Then God turns to the woman. And she did the same thing. She blamed the serpent. Which in reality, she was blaming God. Because God is the creator of, of all things, including that serpent. Adam and Eve have no one to blame. They had a perfect environment. God was their father. They had no competition from anyone anywhere. And that tells you that if Satan goes on vacation for a thousand years, you and I will do the same thing they did. One of the symptoms of a prodigal is the lack of common sense. Amaziah decided to challenge Joash, the king of Israel, to go to war with him. So we're reading 2 Chronicles 25, verse 17. Then Amaziah, king of Judah, took advice and sent to Joash, the, the son of Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us see one another in the face. And Joash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of 
Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give thy daughter to my son to wife. And there passed by a wild beast that was in Lebanon and trod down the thistle. Thou sayest, Lo, thou hast smitten the Edomites, and thine heart lifted, lifted thee up to boast. Abide now at home, why shouldest thou meddle to thine hurt, that thou shouldest fall, even thou and Judah, with thee? But Amaziah would not hear, for he came of God, that he might deliver them into the hand of their enemies, because they sought after the gods of Edom. So Joash, the king of Israel, went up, and they saw one another in the face, both he and Amaziah, king of Judah, Abeth Shabbath, which belongeth to Judah. And Judah was put to the wars before Israel, and they fled every man to his tent. Now, before Joash went to see Amaziah, he sent him a little message in the form of a sarcastic parable. But Amaziah refused to use common sense. He should have got the message, but he, he, he didn't. Joash was saying, it's best for you to stay at home. Keep your nose out of my business, because if you don't, you're going to get hurt. When you have a wicked man in power, someone without brains, whatever decision he makes or she makes will hurt the people. Proverbs 29 and verse 2 reads, the righteous are in, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. I think we can see that clearly nowadays as our nation is going down the toilet. And who's to blame for that? You and I know that. He wouldn't listen. And as a result, civil war broke out. And Judah suffered. The next, the next thing we see in the downfall of Amaziah is the loss of valuables. Second Chronicles 25 and verse 23. And Joash the king of Israel took Amaziah king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, Abed-Shemath, and brought him to Jerusalem and break down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits. And he took all the gold and the silver and all the vessels that were found in the house of God with Obedidom and the treasures of the king's house, the hostage also, and returned to Samaria. Now here we have a, a, a great lesson, I think, for individuals and for nations. As an individual, it is possible for you to be a careless Christian. And we see this a lot. You know, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, many, many years ago, I heard people that they've been Christians for 25 plus years, and they know nothing about the Bible. I always go, how is that possible? It's simple. You occupy your life in doing any other thing, including your personal entertainment, and stay away from the book. I'm not saying that you're going to go to hell for that. But you're going to go to heaven as a second-class citizen, knowing nothing, not even the basic things. Then as a nation, 
America was founded on biblical principles. My wife and I became citizen a few, citizens a few years, few years ago. And for that, we had to study. We really had to study for one year to learn how America was founded. How was this great nation put together? It's clearly when you read these documents that the people who put America together were dependent and relying on God for guidance. I had to set this thing up. But if you didn't have to work for it, if it didn't cost you anything, if you didn't have to suffer to get it, you won't appreciate it. You know, you'll be careless about it. When you look... When you learn what it took, how many people died and are still dying so we can enjoy freedom in America. You know, there are thousands, millions of people around the world who want to come to America. And even though we have a lot of problems, economical problems, social problems, heathens everywhere, the school system, the government and everything, we are still the best country in the world believe it or not, when you compare it to what's going on in other places. So you would think that a nation that was founded on biblical principles will be on fire, preaching the gospel of Christ in every corner. But that's not how it is. Just like you typical ungrateful heathen prodigal, we have forgotten why this nation is so prosperous. Psalm 33 and verse 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. America has turned her back on God and not many people are getting saved here at home. You know, it's a miracle when you see somebody get saved here and request to be baptized. And even after that, you don't see results. You know, they, some of them make a profession, but you don't see any action. But the Christian community in America, those who are true Christians, understand the value of the souls of people around the world. And they support the mission work that goes on overseas. I try to keep up with what's going on in Africa, China, and other places in the world, and what is America doing to contribute to make sure that we continue to preach and send out Bibles and people who are willing to go and give up the American dream to go and serve somewhere, learn another language, get immersed in the culture of that country, and preach the gospel just so we can see people come to the Lord. But you don't see that here in America. Give me a big TV and football Sunday. That's all we want. The gospel that is rejected here at home in America is embraced around the world. And as a result, like I said, millions are coming to Christ and getting saved. Like the typical prodigal, we enjoy tremendous blessings from our creator here at home. And our behavior is that of a rebel child who refuses to be grateful. And we continue to slide, sinking in our own depravity. 
The next thing we keep, uh, the next thing we, we, to keep in mind is that not every prodigal makes it out alive. Proverbs 16 and verse 25 reads, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Second Chronicles 25 and verse 27 says, After the time that Amaziah did turn away from following the Lord, they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish, but they sent to Lachish after him and slew him there. His problem was an imperfect heart. Proverbs 24, uh, verse 23 reads, Keep thine heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Hearts and mind can be established very early in life. Some children, from the time they're very little, you can see signs of wicked people that they're going to be if you don't apply the right of correction when they're little. Second Chronicles 36, verse 9, we have a good example here. Jehoiakim was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months and ten days in Jerusalem, and he did that which was, that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. There is a small percentage of people in the world. Everybody's evil, but some people want to go all the way. So there is a small percentage of people in the world that is said to do evil, always evil, destructive. And there's nothing you can do or can be done to rehabilitate them. You know, I see these people when I visit prisons. No matter what they do to them, there, there's nothing that can be done. They're just evil. No matter how many sessions they spend with a shrink, a shrink is useless. It can't help them. They only find pleasure in doing wicked things. Good influences are vital when raising a child, and, is, and it is true that even a child understands that there is rewards for everything we do in life. We all make choices every day, and you can't go around blaming others for whatever happens to you because you decided to do that which is wrong. So let's take a look at the second king here, King Joash. And go back one page on page 24, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 24, verse 1 on Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles 24, verse 1. Joash was seven years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba. And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada, the priest. That phrase right there is what keeps the whole thing together. He served the Lord all the days of Jehoiada, the priest. Point number two here. Jehoiada kept them straight. And no doubt having a priest around every day had a godly influence on him. But if you have a wicked character, if you have a weak character and a wicked heart, you will tolerate bad influence. You'll never speak up and try to promote that which is good. 
you will tolerate foul language around you. You will see somebody doing something wicked to someone else and you'll never stand up to do something. You will tolerate your friends. You will tolerate even your family if you take a stand to be a Christian because you don't have the guts to make somebody upset or uncomfortable. And you see that in young people. Young people always want to be popular, so they tolerate whatever comes their way because they want to make people happy because they're afraid to make somebody upset. People who have no character are unreliable. They are capable of performing a great task as long as someone else is there to take the fall for them when they make a mistake. And when there's no one around to hold them by the hand, they are like the crooked politicians of today. They move in whichever direction the wind is blowing because they have nothing to stand on. Second Chronicles 24, verse 15. But Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died, and 130 years old was he when he died. Verse, 20, verse 16, And they buried him in the city of David among the kings, because he had done good in Israel, both towards God and towards his house. 17, Now after the death of Jehoiada came the princes of Judah and made obeisances to the king. Then the king hearkened unto them. From here on, the whole thing falls apart. After the death of Jehoiada, the priest, the whole thing, like I said, fell apart. And the emphasis goes from doing that which is right in the sight of the Lord to doing that which is evil. And this shows the character of King Joash. He was able to accomplish great things as long as he had Jehoiada the priest around him. But when the men who held him by the hand died, King Joash soon forgot how good it was to have a, a man of God around him to guide him. Verse 18. And they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served groves and idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their trespass. 19. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord, and they testify against them, but they would not give ear. Here we see, we see the character of God and the character of man. God in his mercy for his people sent them prophets to try to correct them. And among these prophets was Zechariah, one of the sons of Jehoiada, the priest, the man of God who had guided King Joash by the hand for 40 years. This is your typical prodigal. Ungrateful and wicked. And you would think that he would have remembered how good and kind was Jehoiada to him. But he didn't. At his command, they stoned to death the son of the man who loved him and cared for him from the time he was a child. 
Second Chronicles 24, verse 20. And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, which stood above the people and said unto them, Thus saith God, thy trans- why transgresses thee the commandments of the Lord, that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. 21. And they conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. 22. Thus Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehoiada his his father had done to him, but slew his son. And when when he died, he said, The Lord look upon it and require of it. Too bad for him because God heard that imprecatory prayer. And he wasn't going to get away with it. As I said a little while ago, not every prodigal makes it out alive. When you have exhausted the patience of God, he moves in to do what is right. God can tolerate a lot, and he puts up with us a long time. He's not in a hurry. He's got eternity ahead of him, so he can wait. But eventually he'll move in, and he'll do what is right. The only thing you have to look forward is judgment. Second Chronicles 24, verse 23. And it came to pass at the end of the year that the host of Syria came up against him, and they came to Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the princes of the people from among the people and sent all the spoil unto them unto the king of Damascus. 24. For the army of the Syrians came with a small company of men, and the Lord delivered a, delivered a very great host into their hand, because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. So they executed judgment against Joash. 25. And when they were departed from him, for they left him in great diseases, his own servants conspired against him for the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest and slew him in his, on his bed. And he died and they buried him in the city of David, but not But they bury him not in the sepulchres of the kings. The weak character of King Amaziah and King Joash cost them their lives. If you are a young person here today, or whoever you are, wherever you are listening, if you're being raised by a godly mother and a father, you should listen. You'll never forget I, when, I, when I went to visit the prison for the second time, I, I met a man there who's serving a life sentence. And he weeps like a little baby. He's a big boy. You know, he, he looks like a snake. It's scary if you see him out here. But in there, he's like a little baby. And he remembers the mom and dad loved him. His pastor loved him. Sunday school loved him. And they all tried. But eventually he got involved in some wicked things and he decided to do the wrong thing and now he's going to die in prison. You can't beat this thing. You go against that which is right and you'll pay a very high price. Keep in mind that God is good. He's a very loving God. And he has placed people in your life who love you and care about you. 
at the top is your mom and dad. Next is your family members. Even if they're not saved, they still love you and they want the best for you. And then it's your church family. This is the real family. This is your real family if you are a saved young person. You should listen to your pastor. You should listen to those people who work hard at making sure that sin is not tolerated in God's family. For two reasons. One is for your own good. The other one is for the glory of God. And ultimately, you are the next generation of Christians who have to face this wicked world. Things are not getting any easier. And if you don't have the backbone to stand against sin, you're not going to be able to stand. Now, going back to the, to the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, you read in, in verse 17 that the son came to his senses finally. And that's what happened to you if you, got old, if you got saved when you were a little older in life. There was a day when you came to your senses. In other words, a light went on. And you realized that you were going in the, in the, in the wrong directions. And God gave you a spiritual life so you could see your lost condition. And naturally, when you come to your senses, you stop walking in the wrong directions and do what is right. In Luke 18, 15, verse 18, we read that the prodigal son prepared a speech that he intended to say to his father. And in verse 20, he got up and went back to his father's house. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran to meet him and fell on his neck and kissed him. You know, that father loved his boy. Said so when he saw him a great way off. That indicates that the father was waiting and watching for his son to come home. In verse 21, he started to recite the speech that he had prepared, but the father ignored all that. And in verses 22, 23, and 24, the father unloads a shower of blessings that he was not expecting. He was expecting a whooping, not blessings. Psalm 103 in verse 12 reads, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. I don't know who you are, but if you have made a mess of your life, and if you think that there is no hope for you, I'd like to invite you to read the Bible. The Bible is made up of imperfect people. Give your life to Christ. Let him take over. Jesus Christ is an expert at fixing that which is broken. He can fix your life. He can, he can set you straight. He can bring you back. If you're tired of sinning and falling on your face time and time again, I'd like to tell you that there is a better way. In Matthew 11, in verse 28, 29, and 30, you can turn there if you like, but I'm going to read this. It says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, 
for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, serving the Lord is really not that hard once you get it. But you have to get it in order to serve him. Because if you don't get it, you'll spend your time pushing buttons or staring at that idiot box for hours and hours, wasting time and not getting anywhere. But once you get it, you will get it. And your only desire will be to be, to be doing something for God. Spending time in his word, talking to people about Christ, or f- trying to find a way to improve your church building, help your pastor, do something for Christ. If you are saved, there is always something that you can do. People will let you down and will judge you for, what, for your mistakes, but God is true to himself, and he will come through on his promises. He will never let you down. He can restore you and bring you back into his family. And for sure, eternal life is what he promises for those who will surrender their lives to him. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Roner Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Roner Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us online at www.bebaptist.org.